I'm Carrie. And I'm Will. And this is the Baseball and Chain podcast, where a husband and wife discuss the current happenings in Major League Baseball. There are 38 days. 38 days until opening day. That's like a month and a week. Yeah. With weird math. Math. Well, March has 31 days. So it's like a month and a week. Yeah, that's why I did it, but like people don't really measure it like that. Hmm. We're trying a new setup today because we forever remain dissatisfied with how we do things. So if you want to watch on YouTube, you can see me shuffle these notes like I'm at a news desk. Five died in a hit and run crash today. Who's five? Five people. Give me my notes. More at six. What do we have planned for today? Today we have a lot of extension talk, including Bo Bichette, Christian Javier, a few signings and trades to discuss, as well as the injury bug hitting the Yankees. I should probably try not to sound so excited <laughs> about that. I'm not mad, though. It's okay. And last but not least quite possibly the biggest of what we're talking about is Machado has been very public this past week about wanting to opt out of his contract with the Padres. Well, let's get into it. We have a lot to catch up on because last week we had a special episode uh, for Valentine's Day. If you guys haven't checked that out, go it's ahead. hilarious. Go ahead and do that. Uh, we'll wait here while you go listen to that. Come back. But over the last couple of weeks, there's been quite a bit of news going on in baseball, including some extensions of major players on major teams, Bo Bichette and Christian Javier. We'll start by talking about Bo. Baby boy, Bo. The Blue Jays. That's a lot of alliteration. I could have said more. Baby boy Bo Bichette from the Blue Jays. Bye, boom. Baby boy Blue Jay. <laughs> Baby boy Blue Jay. So Bo Bichette was signed to a three-year, $33.6 million deal at the ripe old age of 24. Hence why I called him Baby Boy. I feel old now. I, I mean, feel- we are kind of old. He was the last case of arbitration left for the Blue Jays. They have him locked up for three over three years for $33.6 million. That will avoid all three of his arbitration years until he hits free agency in 2026. I watched an interview where he was talking about his thoughts on the deal. He doesn't speak very well. He speaks like a 24-year-old. Stop saying how old he is. I'm almost 30. It's- I will forever remain older than you. Yeah, but I don't want to think about how I'm five years older than him. I have a nephew that's older than him. Hmm. But last year, Bo had a relatively average 2022. However, in September, he got red hot. And pretty much nobody could pitch anything to him without it getting hit. Had over a 400 batting average. 1.105 1.105 OPS, and that was across 32 games from September to August, into August. Yep. Wait. September. <laughs> I said, yep. <laughs> September into October. October. We're smart, I mm. promise. And someone as young as Bo would usually be able to get a longer deal out of their teams, especially when they're as good as Bo is. But Atkins, the GM for Toronto, said that doing smaller extensions can lead to more extensions down the line. So, yeah, he, baby steps for baby Bo. Yeah, I think I saw the same thing. He said they're always open to doing longer-term deals, and they kind of see this as like a foot in the door. He didn't really use that phrase, but... Yeah. Kind of alluded to it being like that. How do you feel about it? When they were talking about the extension happening, 
I was under the impression it was going to be like a, a longer term thing. And they were talking big, big money. He's great on offense, but he's not necessarily a liability, but he's not great on defense. Like he had one of the highest errors totals at shortstop. I know we talked about this last season because I was talking about how I feel like he's really short. And then we looked up that he's, in fact, not really short. I think he's like 5'11 or something. But I feel like he would benefit from being a larger human while playing shortstop. Just like longer, maybe. Well, one of the requirements is that you got to be short. A goofed. No, I get it. Yeah. He's just missing the stop part of it. He needs to stop making so many errors. He needs to stop the ball, but he's short of stopping it very often. Yeah. Are we done? <laughs> Christian Javier. Houston. He signed an extension for $64 million over five years. He had a 2.54 ERA last year, nearly 200 strikeouts, allowed only eight hits in his last seven appearances, and his... 170 opposing batting average led all Major League Baseball. Pretty good. He provided six innings in the combined no-hitter in Game 4 of the World Series, where Houston won 5-0. to zero. He was a part of another one this season as well with the Astros that he also started that game. I couldn't tell you who it was against, though. That's fine. So he's pretty good. Yeah. So I got the terms of his deal because I think it's Kind of interesting. Um, he got a $2 million signing bonus. He's going to get $3 million in 2023, $7 million in 2024, $10 million in 2025, $21 million in 2026, and $21 million in 2027. And there are escalators for top three Cy Young finishers if he achieves that in 2026 and 2027. Yeah, it's kind of... An interesting structure. It kind of, I don't want to say that it really protects them, but if they're only paying him like $3 million this year and he got hurt or something, they could trade him and or whatever they need to do. Two-thirds of the money come from the last two years of his contract. Right. He's 25. I should know. Yeah. The Astros, as of locking him up for five years, have six players under contract or team control through at least 2025 with Framber Valdez and Kyle Tucker under team control ending after 25. And then Christian Javier, Jordan Alvarez, Lance McCullers through 2026, and Jeremy Pena under team control through 2027. So that's... Three really good pitchers who can contend for a side yard and three very productive bets. It'd be pretty fun if um, the reason he didn't finish in the top three was because the other pitchers pitched better than him on his own team. Yeah, that would, that would really suck for him. Yeah. I'd probably laugh a little. Cool. Yeah. Cruel. We're transitioning from extensions into signings and trades and all that good stuff now first off peralta david peralta goes to the dodgers one year six and a half million dollars and we boo we boo because we're going to the dodgers i like them as a human being he was not really productive when he got traded to the Rays last year no actually he, he sucked super bad yeah. No home runs. Yeah. Played in 46 games. 0. 0.652 OPS. Yeah. 700-ish is round league average. He started off the year pretty good with 12 home runs. The Diamondbacks threw 87 games, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And then no home runs the rest of the year. Yep. After the trade. He dealt with... He, played through some injuries, and he also had to sit out a couple games, if I recall correctly. The biggest problem I have with it is that they had to go through so much effort to get Taylor Walls to change his number. 
Yeah. And now he's gone. Walls might stay zero, though. He should. Like, they started selling new merch and stuff with zero. Zero's a cooler number. Yeah. But I'd be curious to see if Walls took his number back. I hope Walls isn't also hitting zero home runs. Did he hit zero home runs after he got the number zero? That would be an interesting thing to find out. I found a pretty interesting article from Bleacher Report about Peralta in the course of looking up news about him. He started as a pitcher for the Cardinals. He had to have multiple shoulder surgeries. He got released in 2009. He sat out all of 2010. He worked at a McDonald's just to get gas money to drive from where he was living in Florida to Texas, where he was trying out for independent ball, making only $1,000 a month. He played three years of independent ball. His wife and her family helped him practice. They pitched batting practice to him, but they stopped because he banged so many line drives off of the L cage as he was pitching from behind. And she had got a bunch of bumps and bruises on her arms and wrists and stuff. <laughs> and uh, her dad helped a couple times, but stopped when he got hit in the neck with one of them. I can speak from personal experience while pitching to a spouse. Although... It wasn't a spouse at the time. At the time, it wasn't a spouse. Um, that hurts super bad. Yeah. Slow pitch softball in a park super unofficial game in a line drive right back into her kneecap or I, just just above her kneecap if it had been in her kneecap i think it was yeah. actually like to the side of it so not on the kneecap but um, i had a black and blue and purple and yellow bruise that was like the size of a cantaloupe on my leg we called it galaxy bruise for a super long time it took forever to go away I'm lucky I could walk. Working after that sucked. Did you still work at Universal? I did, yeah. The whole reason that we were for eight hours a day. The whole reason that we were even doing that was because Kristen and I were playing on the Universal team. Oh right. And we wanted to practice. And you were like, I was like I like it. I was like semi coaching and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and you beat me up. Yeah. If it had been right into your knee, that would have probably required surgery. I wouldn't have had a knee. Artificial knee. My mom has two. Anyway, continuing that Peralta story. Continuing that Peralta story. Finally, in 2013, he was given a tryout with the Diamondbacks, partly due to his sole contact in Major League Baseball being one of their scouts. And then that scout told the director of player development for the Diamondbacks that they should sign him whenever a spot opened, even though so many other scouts said he'd never make it past a ball. He reached the MLB level with the Diamondbacks in the second half of 2014, so a year and a half later, and hasn't gone back since. In 2018, he got the Silver Slugger. 2019, he got the Gold Glove, and he had played eight and a half years with the Diamondbacks before he was traded to the Rays on July 30th, 2022, and now I'm trying to see how many home runs Taylor Wells hit <laughs> after that. <laughs> that would be a nice little nugget. While you're working on that, we... We'll move into the J.J. Bleday and A.J. Fuck trade. J.J. for A.J. J.J. and A.J. Start a band. No, Allie and A.J. They're the band. uh, The Marlins traded J.J. Bleday to the Oakland Athletics. Both of them were at one time first round draft pick in the MLB draft. I had that for one of them. He came for Vanderbilt, number four. Bleday. Yeah. AJ Puck was the number six pick in 2016. Mm. Bladay was number four overall in 19. The GM for the A's really likes Bladay's power, his elite plate discipline. He can play center, but he's also good in the corners. While at Vanderbilt, his freshman and sophomore year, he had seven total home runs. And in his junior year, he had 27 total. So he kind of got his stuff together. Yeah, I... I really only had notes about his major league stuff. He had a really dismal debut with the Marlins last year after being promoted to the major league team. Yeah. Had a 167 average and under 600 OPS. That was in less than half a season, I think. But still, that's not ideal. 
And as far as like the personal side of it, you know, there's been a lot of stuff coming out about arbitration deals and stuff like that and how baseball is a business, but it kind of sucks sometimes. Like Corbin Burns, who was a really great pitcher for the Brewers, got told by representatives of the Brewers in his arbitration meetings that he was one of the reasons why they didn't make the playoffs last year. And that was the reason why they didn't think he deserved that much money. I think I saw an interview about that. Yeah. Oh, like, you shared that. Yeah. But um, the piggybacking off of that, Bode said he was blindsided by the trade. He was literally at Marlins Fan Fest earlier that day and got traded that night. Yikes. And uh, speaking of Fan Fest, we just went to the Rays Fan Fest. And coming this week, we will be having a YouTube video posted. A vlog of sorts. Of sorts. I wouldn't really call it a vlog. So much as a... A quirky video recap of our day. But on the baseball side of things, as baseball as a business, he was buried in the depth chart for outfielders on the Marlins. He was behind like Jazz Chisholm... Avisel Gar- Garcia, several other players, five players ahead of him on the depth chart. Yeah, it's kind of not great. Yeah. Do you think one of the J's stands for Jimmy? Did you look up his name? I looked up AJ. When I saw he had five people ahead of him in the depth chart, all I could think of was that State Farm commercial. Six dollars ahead of us, Jimmy. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know his name. Um, Speaking of need to know, the number is four. Taylor Walls hit four home runs after July 30th last year. Hey, do you know how old he is? JJ Bode. Younger than 24? No. No? He's 25. Jeffrey Joseph. Oh, man. Damn it, Jimmy. What do you have on putt? He is six foot seven. <laughs> yeah. Pretty tall for a pitcher. Actually, now that you mention it, I didn't <laughs> I didn't write anything about Puck other than that. I have one line of information. He made his debut in MLB in twenty nineteen. He's six foot seven, twenty seven years old, one point three war, he is six and six and has a three point five six ERA. And I also don't remember what his name was, so clearly he was not noteworthy to me. I mean, AJ and JJ, that's all you need to know. I put uh, he was top 25th percentile or thereabouts in strikeout rate and whiff rate. So he knows how to miss bats. That's good. That's really all you need. Good for a relief pitcher. Yeah. And he also joins former Ray JT Shagwa. Shagwa. On the Marlins, who was acquired in November. He kind of looks like a leprechaun. If he wasn't six foot seven, he could be a leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you show me? Because I was going to say that exact thing. I was going to say the leprechaun thing. We can't say that. That's not nice. Can't put that in the podcast. My mom has a shirt that says, World's Tallest Leprechaun. My sister's a ginger. I can talk. If you've been following us on social media, we have recently posted about fangrams. So today we have our first two. The first one that we have, the first fangram ever in the history of baseball and chain came from Scott. It is to Maxine. And it says, happy birthday. So happy birthday, Maxine. We love you. For those of you who don't know, Maxine's my grandmother and her birthday's coming up. So, happy birthday, Grandma! Love happy your birthday. son and also us because we love you. We did get to go out to dinner with her recently, though, so we got to pre-birthday celebrate her. Like you want to take the next one? Yeah. For our second official fangram ever. Woohoo! Kristen is shouting out to Alyssa. And says, do you play baseball? Do you have a hole in your chin? Not really sure what that means, but... uh, You'll never get it, but I do, and it's hilarious. 
All right. Kristen went to college with Alyssa, and it's an inside joke. I figured. And it's so funny. All right. That's all of the fangrams that we have so far, which I'm honestly I'm going to call it pretty successful because we posted that yesterday, and we got two, which is two more than I thought we were going to have. Yeah. So thank you, Kristen and Scott. We appreciate you reaching out and filling out our form. If you guys don't know about it, fangrams are a shout-out thing that we're trying to do, similar to when you have, like, the scoreboard where it pops up and it says, like, happy birthday, Jim, and things like that. So, Six callers ahead of us, Jimmy. So if you'd like to have a shout-out on our show, we would love to shout it out for you. There is a form that we have available on our link tree. To It's a link to the Google form. Super simple, just three questions for you to fill out. And then we'll read it out to you guys. We're trying to find ways to keep you guys interacting with us because we want to be interacting with you. So that's the next option that we have. Please talk to us. We, we're new, obviously. This is only our fourth episode. And so the interactions are not massively plentiful. And we would love to hear from you guys. So please, please talk to us. Fill out a fangram. Send us a message, an email, a DM. Tweet us. Something. Tweet us, delete us. <laughs> Tweet us, don't delete us. Please. If you do like what you've been listening to so far in the episode, please feel free to give us a like, follow, share, comments. Subscribe. Subscribe. Turn on your notification bell. All that stuff. We are on all of the social medias at Baseball Chain. So go check us out on all of them. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. TikTok. TikTok. YouTube. YouTube. We're not missing any. Podcast places. (laughs) Yep. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say there's a running theme that uh, Talking Baseball has noted that the Marlins seem to be acquiring Jays. Like they have a lot of players on their team that have the J name. The J name. AJ in their name. AJ. (laughs) 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 You got Jazz Chisholm, JT Shagwa. Johnny Cueto, Jesus Lazardo, even though it's not like a J sound. Jesus Lazardo. Jesus, I know how to spell Jesus. AJ Puck. <laughs> Josh Simpson. Jacob Stallings. Jacob Amaya. John Birdie. I already said jazz. Gene Segura. Joey Wendell. Joey. Jesus Sanchez. Jorge Soler. Let's make plans to go see the Marlins. We should. Pretty close. Speaking of former Rays. Should I have ended with JT Shadwell? No, we were just talking what? about Joey Wendell. Oh. Yeah. Waka. Waka waka. He... Waka 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 waka. Fangraphs says Michael Waka is a boring free agent. You know, Fangraphs, I happen to agree. Just Do kidding. tell more. I don't have a whole lot to say about Waka, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, is he boring? He didn't excite me at all when he was on the race. Yeah, he's he's kind of just like the guy that Waka up. didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you, did you just... Did you say Waka gonna do? <laughs> I tried to say Waka gonna do. I came out Waka do to do. What you gonna do? Like I was saying, he didn't excite me that much when he was on the race. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I agree with Fangraph's boring free agent thing. And it's not meant to be a slight, necessarily. It just means he's more of a filler slash depth addition at this point in his career. I mean, he's 31 years old. 
That's for you. You're not a filler slash depth at this point in your career. I'm pretty filler. Filler? <laughs> Hardly even know her. What are you filling her with? Um, he's had a series of one-year contracts with the Mets, Rays, and Red Sox, respectively, leading up to this one-year, at minimum, contract with the Padres. Potentially four. Yeah, this is this one seems almost more complicated than the Chad Green one we did a couple episodes ago. I think it is. You ready? Ready. All right. So it's four years, twenty-six million dollars, with a three point five million dollars signing bonus for twenty twenty-three. We'll get four million dollars on top of the signing bonus. Then he has there is a club option for twenty-four and twenty-five that have to be picked up simultaneously, each for sixteen million dollars. Um, if he completes more than 30 starts in each of those years, then he'll get a $2 million incentive. No, in 2023, he'll get a $2 million bonus if he does 30 starts. But he has the option to decline that and then has player options for 2024, 2025, and 2026 of $6.5, $6 and $6 million respectively, all of which have to be exercised at the same time. So he can either have a one-year deal for $4 million, a three-year deal for $36 million, or a four-year deal for $26 million. He gets less if he's there for four years? Yeah, because then he gets incentives. Sorry, I just got really bored listening to that because it was boring. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty boring trying to write it down, too. That's the most exciting thing about him is the convoluted deal that he just got. He's got a pretty good changeup. You want to see my good changeup? Nestor Cortez. Pull the hammy. <laughs> Pull the hammy. Nestor pulled his hammy. But he had to rest. Nestor had to take a rester, so he didn't fester his hammy. Hold on, I'm getting a call from Lester. Well, <laughs> they gave him a couple days to recover, and then they went ahead and tested her. How'd the tester for Nestor go? Did it fester? No, it didn't fester. Did he need another rester? No, he didn't need another rester. He did a tester and Nestor was good to go. <laughs> I mean, it was a low grade, grade two hamstring strain. Whatever that means. See, so rhyming aside, I think that the Yankees and Nestor may have created a phantom IL type situation that is well known that teams do nowadays. Like, if you've got a pitcher who just had a kid or something, well, sometimes they say it's paternity leave, but if they've got something that, you know, is going to keep them out, but it's not necessarily an injury, or they just want to give them extra rest, they'll say, oh, he's got oblique tightness, and put him on a 10-day IL. Them damn oblique. So... A groin strain. I think the Yankees just want to prevent him from possibly getting a more serious injury pitching for Team USA in the WBC. USA. Because I'm not saying it's not real, but I'm not not saying it. Because if he was expected to take a week or two to heal, he could have practiced after it healed for the WBC. But he instead he just withdrew. I mean, if his just for funsies sprints are giving him a hamstring strain, then putting him to like actual baseball work outside of what's required for the Yankees. Yeah, he went ahead and when he did his tester, when Nestor did his tester on Friday, and threw a bullpen. He threw a bullpen on Friday. Twenty-two pitches. And that's still like. Training. I could throw and 22 pitches. Not at that level. I can't do anything he, at that level. Then he did there. a 75% effort sprint in the same workout and was fine. Multiple teams have expressed their concern about players getting injured during the WBC, uh, including the Rays, but there's also the benefits of like them playing in a tournament style competition. That's like the playoffs, pretty much. 
So I don't even know who's on Team USA or any of the people that are playing from the race. I don't think any of them are on Team USA. Probably not. Team USA's rotation takes a hit with Nestor's injury, and Kershaw also said he's not going to pitch. Didn't say it was because of an injury or anything, but he's also not pitching. Huh. So they had to call up reserves to fill in for those guys, and they looked like they could be the only team to really compete head-to-head with Dominican Republic, and now it's, like, not great. I know that there should be pride for my country in the World Baseball Classic, but I think it's really cool how many amazing players come from other places and kind of wouldn't mind seeing our butt get kicked a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to happen now. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see. Um, For the record, Nestor's 28 years old. Still older than him. By a little. Yeah. More injury stuff. Also for the Yankees, and also way worse. Yeah. Arthroscopic surgery. For? Montas. There is potential, not potential, he's definitely getting the surgery. What they do in the surgery is up for debate. They're hoping that it's just going to be kind of scoping it out. But if it is just them scoping it out, and they don't actually have to do other surgery for it, he may only miss most of the season, but if they actually have to do legitimate surgery on his soldier shoulder on his soldier soldier on his shoulder, then he likely will miss the entire season. Yeah, I put that he's due to have the surgery this week. Boom! Tomorrow. Tomorrow. On well, the twenty-first of February. Yeah. Today's the twentieth. When you guys hear this, is up for debate, but. <laughs> Tuesday, the 21st. Boone says he's likely to miss the whole season, like most likely. But like you said, there is a chance that it's going to be a little less than that. Had a similar kind of thing with Glasgow and his Tommy John and all that stuff. He wasn't supposed to be back until this year, but he came back, you know, did a bunch of rehab on his own outside of the rehab he was doing with the team and came back in time for the last month of the season and playoffs. But we can't all be tired of grass now though. But Montas, the Yankees traded a lot of prospects for him, four prospects, and has not been giving them a good return. Yeah. Boone seems pretty pessimistic about it, but he feels Montas feels positive and encouraged by his last MRI. So we'll see who's about, right. I was talking about his performance, like when he has been healthy. Is he actually being healthy when he's healthy, though? It's not like an underlying thing that's been, like, bothering him for a while? I didn't have anything. I know he's had injuries. He had some injuries he was dealing with last year, but he only – He's due to be a free agent after this year, and he has only made eight not great starts for the Yankees since he got traded there. Wow, was a Yankees still have a pretty strong rotation with Cole, Rodon, Severino, and Nestor. But if the Nestor injury is like a nagging thing, like it persists. If it festers. If the Nestor thing festers, the Yankees rotation could take another hit. We saw last year with Wander Franco that he had a hamstring issue. What? All stories lead back to Wander. We saw with the Wander hamstring injury last year that it can be a nagging issue because he said he was good to go after like a week or 10 days. And then he aggravated again the next series or two after that and was out for much more extended period of time so if it is something like that then the yankees could have the rotation take another hit dang yeah still a really good top three but i'm biased but i would take the raise rotation over theirs even with all those guys healthy yeah i would too how does your shoulder feel good a little cracky uh, yeah creaky he's also 29 i was just checking 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I need arthroscopic surgery. That's good. You know who's not feeling good also? Tell me. Jacob DeGrom. He has tightness in his left side. He is ahead of schedule in the healing process from where he's been in the past with similar tightness. He's 34 years old. So he's keeping it tight? Keeping it tight. At 34. Yep. Um, the Rangers signed him to a five-year, $185 million deal after a 26 regular season start over the last two seasons for the Mets. So only 26 starts in two seasons, and they gave him a five-year, $185 million. Yeah. When, when they did that, knowing his injury history and all that stuff, I was like... Knowing that he keeps it tight? Yeah, knowing knowing that, I was like, uh, not a. It didn't really seem like smart money. No, they definitely should have kept their wallet a little tighter. He, I mean, he's worth that if he can go out there every fifth day and pitch like he can pitch. But he's kind of like the Byron Buxton of pitching, at least over the last two years. Is that like the Kevin Kiermaier? Kiermaier doesn't do everything well. He used to do it pretty decently. Before the last two seasons, though, DeGrom made 30 or more starts in his first four seasons. Won the Cy Young back-to-back years. So he's pretty good. We'll see. It was kind of funny because the Rangers shared a tweet, a picture of him walking into camp. And said the Grom clocking in. And then, like, an hour or so later, <laughs> they put out the media release that he wasn't practicing because he had soreness in his left side. And <laughs> I actually saw it's kind of embarrassing. somebody retweet it and they flipped the image. So he's walking out. Instead <laughs> the Grom clocking out. <laughs> Yikes. So when you said that they tweeted it, the first thing that popped into my head was tweet delete. But it needs to be a tweet delete. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Not a tweet delete. It needs to be a tweet delete. Yeah. Plenty of tweets need to be deleted. Most of yours. Oh. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't know. I don't read your tweets. Uh, I'm not a tweeter. Pretty funny. Actually, I read a lot of your tweets because you sent me screenshots of them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, hey, look, I'm being funny on the internet. I know you won't read this, so I'll make you. Yeah, exactly. You want to talk about the Yankees some more? Yeah. let's, Let's go back to the Yankees with some... Good news, sort of. Not bad news. Let's just say not bad news. News. Picture a world where Aaron Judge plays first base. I'm picturing it. It's weird, right? I mean, he's tall. It makes sense. I bet he can't do the splits, though. I'm actually kind of interested in seeing this. Yeah. During spring training practice this week, Judge was seen taking some reps at first base. He was fielding throws from DJ LeMahieu and I'm not even going to try. Other players. Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. I just really didn't want to say falafel. I mean, that joke has been made. I know, and I didn't want to be that person. You said it right. Um, and he was taking grounders after batting practice. But don't be alarmed, Yankee fans. Garrett Cole was also standing in right field. So they were just screwing around. Screwing around. Yeah, it's kind of kind of disappointing because the whole everybody blew up like, what? He's taking reps at first base. And the article that I saw as a follow-up is – Aaron Boone is like, yeah, there's nothing to that. Cool. Good talk. I mean, 
So even though they're saying that, you know, there's always a chance that it's like a smoke screen. You know, like Boone's saying that, but they could be maybe platooning first base, like, you know, the Rays do with pretty much every position. And a lot of teams do with, you know, if you're going to have this lineup face a right-hander, this lineup face a left-hander, or they could do it to give Rizzo a day at DH or LeMahieu a day off because LeMahieu rotates in the first two. So I watched a video recently, and I wish I had any kind of retention whatsoever, but in the video it was snippets of one single player playing all positions in a single game. He just rotated through all of them. Is this from like 1900s or something? <laughs> 1900s. 1901 or Like something? it was a long time ago. Um, it, it wasn't like super recently. I feel like it was like early 2000s or like late 90s. I'm just trying to think like, I guess if he started the game and wasn't substituted in, it would make he did, yeah. So he started in the outfield and, like, moved across the outfield and then went to, like, shortstop, then third base, then second base, then first base, then catcher, and then he pitched the last inning. But, like, he could actually pitch. It wasn't, like, Brett Phillips going in and chunking mm. some 40-mile-an-hour. He, he can throw 90-something when he actually tries. Because he's got to throw from the outfield with yeah, but I'm just with but, with what kind of accuracy? Yeah, I'm just picturing that one game where he was standing straight forward and took like this huge step and like threw the ball and it just like was yeah. But that this guy wasn't like that at all. Theolephus. I don't think his name was Theolephus. No, the Ephus pitch. Theolephus. Yeah, I. Those three guys, Judge, Rizzo, and LeMahieu, you want to keep that production in your lineup, but you also want to give them rest days because I think LeMahieu is pushing 40. I think he might be 38, 39. And Rizzo, I think, is also 30 plus. Um, so if you can get them off their feet for a game and put Judge at first base instead of outfield, that would also be kind of like partially giving him a rest day too. This offseason, they signed Anthony Rizzo to $40 million two years. So. Yeah. That's. They're still pretty confident in him. Yeah. I, that's what I was looking at, too. Boone was, or the article was saying that, you know, they just signed him to an extension. So it's not like they're going to give anybody else the lion's share of first base reps. But, I mean,. I'm not really saying that. I think that, you know, maybe just give him a day off, put him at DH. And position players, like, they only reported today, so it's not like there's any seriousness in it. Yeah. There's always stories like this that come out of spring training where everyone's like, what's going on? Is Baseball players liking to play baseball. Yeah. They'll play wherever they can play. Last... But not least, Manny Machado has been outspoken about wanting to opt out. He wants to be out in the boot. Yep. He is in the middle of a 10-year, $300 million deal with the Padres, and he wants to opt out of the second half of it. Yep. And he would forfeit $150 million. Yep. Thirty million a year. So, I was boot in a boot on Facebook and Instagram and everything, making comments about this on posts that I saw. Yeah, I saw. I don't really understand why he's talking about doing this right now, but I can also understand 
his goal is to start setting the market for the end of the season. So like it would just be super embarrassing if he's all like, I'm gonna opt out and then he just like tanks. Yeah. That's that's why I was like, I don't really get why you're saying it right now. Yeah. That plus even though he says I'm not making it about me or I'm not making about it making this season about the future, I'm making this season about this season. If I was his teammate, I would think you might not be totally invested yeah. in this season. I mean, I understand you got to do what's best for you. You got to earn what you think, you know, you're deserving to earn. But you still got to play a season. You still got to try to win a World Series. That's what you put this team together for. That's why your owners and managers and everybody is paying everyone so much money to get them to come there. Yeah. I'd be pretty upset. Also, like, if you're playing as well as you are, what is going on that is making you decide that you want to opt out? I think the, really it's that he's noticing the market and how like inflated it was after the new CBA from the lockout before last season and this free agent period in the offseason, like with Correa... Like, the first offer that Correa got was, like, 12 years, $350 million for the Giants before the physical happened. And I think he's seeing all that, you know. I think he actually had a quote, another quote that I saw was, yeah, it's good to know that there's a lot of money out there or something like that. Like, I, I, I see how much money is out there and I'm excited or whatever. When he signed it in 2019, it was the second largest contract after Stanton, hmm. who was at $325 million. And then now, this year, he's tied for 11th. Right. And that's that's a result of the free agency thing, because I think Bogart's got $300 million over a less, over less time. And... Correa ended up getting two hundred some million, but Judge is at three hundred and sixty million. Mike Trout is at four twenty six. Yeah, Trout's been on a really long term deal too. But like, I there's a lot of things that I would do for just like one million dollars. I'd play baseball for one million dollars a year. I I would do in like really embarrassing baseball. I would be the intentional class clown for baseball for a million dollars i say i would play baseball for a million dollars a year and i would but we're kind of minimizing it like he's he's really good that's a lot of money right but so i i did put that he's asking to be paid like he's the best player in baseball he's not the best player in baseball right now no he want he said outright he wants ten years four hundred million dollars. How much is the National League MVP banking? Goldschmidt? I'm not really sure. His twenty twenty three salary is twenty two million. So on average, Machado would be making eighteen million more per season than Goldschmidt. Eight. Eighteen. For the contract he wants. Oh, for, yeah, for the one that he wants. Yeah. I don't know, man. You you finished second. I mean, Goldschmidt's also 35. So. Machado's 31. You're paying for a little bit more time. But he's also kind of old. I know how old my body feels. <laughs> and he actually does stuff with his. Mm. <laughs> That's fair. Bob Melvin doesn't want to know what it feels like for Manny to play somewhere else. I think we should let him. because he's the manager of the team. I know. I know. I just thought that was really depressing. I don't want to know what it feels like to not have Manny. Yeah. Let him go. Sorry, I screamed that. Let him go.
Hmm. I mean, I, they'd probably be okay. They've got all these other guys that are signing and bringing over. I'm just, I'm really curious to see. Like, like Waka Waka and Waka 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 Waka. Bogarts and yeah. Juan Soto, who they're rumored, I think. I don't know if they already, did they already extend him? I don't think they did. But there's rumors that they would extend Juan Soto beyond the contract that he had with the Nationals. Okay, so he's still in his arbitration years. So he agreed to a one-year $23 million deal with the Padres this year in January. That's still a lot of money. Yeah. That's more than the MVP is making. Yep. Monso is very good, too, though. All I'm saying, don't be greedy. It's like we were saying before, if he has a bad year, then he's going to look pretty silly. Eat his words. And I'm curious if the Padres will still welcome him back with open arms. <laughs> they probably will, but they'll be like, you're going to be taking hmm. a lot less money than you're wanting. Yeah. So. Yep, yep, yep. Curious. Curiouser and curiouser. That's all we've got for you guys today. Thank you for listening. Like we said earlier, please like, follow, subscribe, comment, share. Notification bell. We kind of don't like saying all this stuff, but... Also, like, share with your friends and tell them that we're wonderful because we are and we know you think so. Yeah, share it with somebody who likes baseball. Or funny jokes. Or just share it with your mom or something. Yeah. Uh, We're we, talking to you, Rowdy. Share it with your mom. We like your mom. All your moms. We don't say bad your mom jokes here. Just bad dad jokes. I'm trying to think of a yo mama baseball joke. So the first one that came up said, yo mama so fat. Yo mama's so fat, her favorite baseball team is the Baltimore Oreos. Can you blame her, though? No. Yeah. Do you yeah. like me some Oreos? Yo mama's so short, she poses for trophies. <laughs> That's my mama. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, share it with your mom. Your dad. Probably not your grandma. Your mom is so stupid, she threw a baseball at Batman. (laughs) All right, guys. This has been the Baseball and Chain Podcast. Till death do us baseball.